So I wasn't uh, here yesterday when Rebecca in the hall when Rebecca announced, but um, um, I'm switching roles here just briefly here with my family. I think you've seen me with my wife and son, some of you, but um, it's happy to help with um, since Gil is out. What I'd like to do is I want to say a few words and then hopefully there'll be a little time where we can open it up if other people want to share or talk and then I might, depending on the time, uh, do a short little uh, closing exercise. Um, so when I just found out about uh, a day before this retreat started that uh, Gil had to, couldn't be here at least for the first part and it asked me to help and everybody was all concerned that they were going to, you know, um, mess up my retreat with the family and, you know, I was happy to help. Uh, I appreciated their concern but really it was just a question of, well, what's actually happening and what what's helpful, what's needed and so, of course, happy to help. And I thought there was a lot of dharma just in that uh, because really, that's real. all life is. There's just this constant changing, unfolding of what's happening in any moment. And there's what's appropriate, what's, most, what's the most wise and skillful way of being in relationship with what's happening at any moment. Part of what supports us to show up or respond or just be in any moment in the most wise and skillful way is a lot of that is informed by our intentions. And intention is is, um, very, very, it's talked about a lot in uh, Dharma teachings. I want to say a little bit about it uh, for a few minutes. During the times when we, um, when we lose our mindful awareness and we're what I call being on automatic pilot in life, sometimes people say during those times, they'll say, oh, you, you went unconscious. We know what they mean, but of course we're not unconscious. We're awake. We're just lost in what's happening. We're caught up in what's happening. And if... Uh, during those times, all bets are off, right? Because you don't even know you're lost and caught up in things. And so we're just going to uh, react or respond in a situation according to just our, the condition patterns in our minds. And, um, and so that's why, of course, we do a lot of practices that help uh, strengthen the ability of us to be more awake and clear, clear uh, mindful, clearly knowing what's happening, steadying our minds. During the times when we aren't lost on automatic pilot, those are interesting times. Then we have more conscious choices. And it's important, I think, to have reflected. I hope all of us would uh, spend time, perhaps every day, really being very in touch with what what are our intentions? What are our highest aspirations for how we want to live? What are our intentions? not only for the Dharma qualities that we want to cultivate in our lives in general, and also 
um, how we want to be, how we want to show up uh, in life. And it's a big, big topic around intention. I, ho- I hope we'll have a little time to do a little ref- uh, reflection at the end. And so, um, as I look around, there's a few people here I know, but there's no one here whom I know well, intimately. But I'm guessing, I hope, assume, that the, just by the fact that you show up at a Buddhist meditation center that uh, among all the different intentions and aspirations you have, uh, I hope hope that uh, uh, deepening in Dharma qualities is high up on the list. And so you have to decide, you know, come up with your own list, but I'll share some of mine aspirations, and I bet that it has a lot of commonality. You could think of the practice of the moment-to-moment practice in, from Dharma, one way to think of it is, how can I cultivate, to, to, how can I live more deeply? How can I actualize these wholesome, or I, I'd like to say beautiful Dharma qualities of wakefulness, clarity, wisdom, kindness, what we call loving-kindness, love, compassion, how can I live in a way that's uh, more wisely responsive rather than being reactive? More mindful, clear, awake, all of these uh, Dharma qualities. And um, it's so important to become familiar with those, not only just, just occasionally from time to time, but to really have spent some time becoming intimate and to know the feeling of our intentions, our aspirations, so, so they're readily accessible to us when we need them. So I'll share, uh, just as an example, I'll share one of mine. I have an aspiration uh, to live in a way in which my heart never closes off to any living beings ever. And that's a real aspiration I have. And of course, I have many opportunities to see where more work needs to be done. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I can sit and do, I've done many, many, you know, guided or, uh, you know, uh, meditations, uh, say, opening my heart into compassion for all beings, right? Or love for all beings. That's great. Then what happens when I get around actual beings? <laughs> You know, so uh, what happens during those times and during the times when the feeling isn't loving or kind or compassionate, when there's irritability? Or what do I do when ill will arises in my, in my mind? During this time? When I don't want to do it. The feeling or the energy, that, you know, we have to be very respectful of these energies. Uh, you know, we don't want to just uh, invalidate them we want to really know there's a lot of power there, especially when they're really strong. Um, what I'm going to do then? What do I do? As it, just bringing up the theme of, of family retreat. So all of us here are in some, whatever your family situation looks like, or you're in somehow connected with another person, with kids, whatever. So, you know, if we've been around people where there's been a lot of um, 
of history, a lot of time together, maybe certain, we could say, condition patterns uh, 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 have been strongly developed and then whatever, either I or the other person, you know, does that thing that they know makes me mad and I've said a hundred times and why do they and don't they know and why don't they see it how I see you know next thing one person's triggered another and it's and a system can get going and these systems uh, and it's, it's rarely just one person even though it can feel like you know I'm not <laughs> and don't they but you know we each have our part that can get reactive and then that can trigger the other person just for example that may not be for you but for some of us and things can spin out and the energies can be so powerful and it can actually um, uh, color our perception. So rather than being aware in a moment, say for example, that aversion has arisen in my mind, the way we perceive it is that person really is being a whatever. You, you can fill in your own <laughs> blank, Right? And uh, so we may not even notice this is a whole huge topic about perception, but it can color our whole view. We don't even realize it. We don't notice it. So part of it is, um, you know, doing these practices that we all do around uh, these different meditative type practices, learning to steady our minds, becoming more mindful and we say clearly comprehending or clearly knowing what's happening. So that helps us. Of course, we can't see our own blind spots, and so we just do the best we can with those. And in fact, I would say um, it's not necessarily so important how well or poorly, or you could say good or bad, we're showing up in any moment in relationship to what's happening. Because look, by definition, until we're all arahants, or you could say we're all Buddhas ourselves, there are places, in, we're not doing anything wrong, but we just have places of greed, hatred, and delusion in our minds. And we need to know that's part of being a human being, right? So we're going to fall down and screw it up. I'll, I'll just let you know ahead of time in case you don't know. You're going to screw it up a thousand more times. I, me, we're all, I'm, me too, we're all in this together, right? So how good, well or poorly we show up that's not so important. It's what's my intention, even if there is greed, hatred, or delusion, even if ill will or irritability is there in the moment. And we just do the best we can. We do the best we can. It's so easy to fall into self-criticism and judgment. Yeah. And it's so easy to find all our faults but we also need to spend time being in touch with our wholesome, beautiful aspirations, intentions, and all the parts that are right and good in us too. And we need to uh, have a fluency with them. We need to know what it feels like so we can uh, get, go back to that. Yes, we need to be uh, clear and aware of all the uh, uh, unwholesome or unhelpful patterns but we also know the, want to see the parts that we can sometimes not notice. Right? And then, because what happens is, say I'm irritable and I don't want to act in a way that's kind, and the feeling is whatever, you know, some negativity. If I can remember in the moment, 
I can use that, that intention. It's like I've driven a strong stake in the ground that's, that's unshakable. And I can grab a hold. Or sometimes they have to almost lash me to the pole <laughs> so the forces don't pull me away. And then it's like, oh, you know, where did my, where did my big aspiration about uh, uh, not having my heart closed off to all beings, where did it go now? doesn't feel so noble in the moment. Okay, wait a minute. I, that's still a real aspiration, a real intention. Oh, okay, I even have to do it for that person. Oh, geez, I don't want to, or whatever, right? Okay, no, no, got to do it. Okay, then it's a question of what are skillful means. It may be, and that, that's, a, I don't know, it depends on the situation. It may be that what's needed is I can just, just by waking up and, and attuning or touching back in uh, the, the aliveness of my intention or aspiration, that's enough. And things sort of self-liberate or let go. That's fine. There may be other times when it's too much. And I, if I have the luxury, I'm, we don't always, but I, I may need to take a break from the situation. And so that person who, for the thousandth, ten thousandth time has done that, th- that irritable thing because their conditioned patterns, just like mine, run deep. Rather than letting them have it, verbally blasting them or whatever, you know, the feeling is, and, and we can just know, okay, that is the energy of it in the moment. I can say, you know, I won't do it right now. You haven't lost your chance to let them have it you can come back in two hours, so don't worry. You haven't lost anything. But you know what? I'm just going to go off and give it some time. And then maybe just with time, things relax. Or you do some, consciously do some, um, some kind of practice or reflections to help your mind shift. Or sometimes, you know, we just, whatever, I look out the window and I see the beauty of the nature, and I just let the, the, the good feeling, the goodness of it soak in and feel it's called resourcing. We do whatever it takes to put our hearts and minds in a, back in a place of balance, love, compassion, open-heartedness, clarity. Again, if we have the luxury to do that, and I recognize we don't always, and then we do the best we can in the moment. You just do the best you can. But if I'm able, then I shift my mind without that pesky old being, being, being there, bothering me. <laughs> I turn my mind, gladden my heart. Now, from that state of mind, let me turn back to meet this person or this situation. Now, what's my response going to be? And then we have to see. But we, we, we don't have it colored by the difficult mind state. So there may be a lot of skillful means that are needed. That's just one example. So this idea of being in touch with, uh, you know, intention is so foundational. And it's also, um, often you'll hear people say that Another way that's talked about foundational is sila, which is, you could say, morality, ethics, ethical uh, behavior. I would like to offer something that I think is even more foundational. 
And let me just warn you, this isn't the Buddha, this is me. So this is my own thing. But as I mentioned earlier, I actually feel that more foundational than sila and being in touch with intention is a self-compassion. And I say that because uh, all of us to some degree, but some of us actually, more than others, one of our pat- conditioned patterns may be um, um, self-loathing or self-critical kind of minds. All of us can know what it means to have a mind like that to some degree. And then that negativity can come in to um, uh, color our perception even when we're doing something beautiful, which is to, you know, we have this wonderful intention which is to uh, move ourselves in a wholesome direction. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. And then we can get lost in how well or poorly we're doing it. We show up. Well, that's just the conditioned patterns of your mind. How good or bad you're doing. That's what we're working on. Who knows how you got the conditioned patterns of your mind that you have? Maybe you do know some aspects. Right? But here we are. Our conditioned patterns are what they are. And we're all sincere. We're all trying. And we know how sometimes it can be easy, but sometimes it can be so challenging just to live and be. And especially in a, uh, to deepen, or as I said, actualize these Dharma qualities uh, in a given moment. So we need to know that we're doing the best we can. Can you do, I mean, this sounds nonsensical, but can you do better than the best you can? No. By the way, I've got, um, uh, this is sort of a good news, bad news thing. What you want first are the good or the bad. Okay, here's the bad news. You're doing the best you can. It looks like this. Okay, ready for the good news? You're doing the best you can. It looks like this. You get the difference in the feeling just there, right? Right? So one thing I would offer that could help you can see if it's useful is to, if we get caught in self-criticism and negativity. By the way, it's not to say that there's not a place when we do cause suffering for ourselves or for others. There's a place for what's called healthy remorse. That's important to really reflect and feel. How did that feel? That didn't feel good to recommit. And again, you just do the best you can. But that gets out of balance and it, come, it shifts from something that serves us and is wholesome into something unwholesome. When I say unwholesome, that's, that's, not, that, that's just causing more suffering. Right? If we uh, don't... If we, um, go beyond healthy remorse and really get into really berating ourselves and beating ourselves up and going on and on. And we don't realize then that, th- that we have that conditioned pattern. You have to understand about these patterns that they're personal in the sense that it's you. Unless I happen to have your pattern, it's, it's not my pattern, it's yours. So in that way, yes, it's personal. But they're impersonal. They're these little computer programs that run in your mind. And you know, if you go to your computer and you click on, um, I don't know, you click on the Excel spreadsheet icon, 
you're never going to get Microsoft Word. Every single time you'll get the same thing because that's what it does. That's how that program, it just does one thing. Well, your self-criticism, this is true for all your patterns, your self-criticism or judgment or the negative, that's all it knows how to do. And so when the right causes and conditions come together, and it's like clicking on the icon of our mind. It just starts running off. And it doesn't care. It'll land on you. It'll land on someone else. The poor thing, that's all it knows how to do. So if you can remember, next time it comes up and ready, instead of identifying with it, you know, we get so caught in it. It can be helpful sometimes to, uh, we don't want to dissociate. We still want to own it in the sense of, in a wholesome sense of that term, because we want to work with it when, it's, when we need to. But to also, there's the place that sees really all of these as impersonal processes. And so if we can do that, rather than being lost and caught, we can, you know, next time it comes, I don't know, you can, you know, um, pat it on the head, thank it for sharing, and then, you know, we don't have to get all lost and identified with it. Of course, we have to remember these things, and that's not always so easy. So the self-compassion, knowing that we're doing the best we can, is so, so important. So intention, some self-compassion, um, do, using our time. Again, it depends on our life circumstances. So there's not, I, I'm one who doesn't you know, have a particular formula of what practice looks like. So how much do you actually do formal meditation practices? Well, it's situationally dependent. How much time do you have? How does that fit in with our lives? You know, there are many, many forms that uh, deepening uh, this liberation and this liberation through non-clinging of the Dharma can take as we put it into practice. Right? So we do the best we can again using the forms that, you know, if we went around this room and shared, uh, we, we wouldn't need the same practice. We would all actually need different kinds of practices. It's not just one size fits all. So we want to bring all these pieces together. And then I just want to add in one more piece that um, I'll offer up. We bring all of those, the intention, the practices, the self-compassion. Oh, sorry, I forgot. I've got to back up. Excuse me. This is what happens. I don't, don't have a talk written out. So, This idea of self-compassion can feel very foreign to some people. It's like, yes, I understand conceptually what it means, but... Uh, I could feel far, far away. You know, if you, say for example, don't play a musical instrument and I sat you down and asked you to uh, play the piano, would you be any good at it at all? No. You'd have no zero skill. And you probably wouldn't be too hard on yourself about that because you wouldn't expect yourself. You hadn't ever practiced. But every one of us, if we put in some time in practice, you know, you, you, you get in a, a book, you know, adult beginner book in piano, and you start on exercise one, and you put a little time in, and eventually you can kind of dink around on the keys, and it's up to you how, much, how far you wanted to take it. You could, every one of us could gain some skill and fluency with the piano. 
I hope we can all hold that same attitude about our Dharma lives. You know, what have most of us, again, I I realize uh, this is a gross generalization, but it holds true for myself, for many of us. So much of our lives have been led, uh, we've been led around by our likes and dislikes and just been at the effect of conditions, right? Matter of fact, I feel pretty safe saying, uh, without, as again, without knowing anyone here well, but there's one thing I feel pretty confident that's true that we probably all share in common. Everyone here is trying to get more of what you want, or you could say more pleasant experiences, and less of what you don't want, less unpleasant experiences. That's, yeah. Anybody here trying to get more unpleasant in your life and less pleasant? Yeah, probably not. Yeah. So that's what they call worldly, dharma, worldly dharmas, and that's, you know, that's just part of being a human being. I don't think we're doing anything wrong. You know, if you took a, I don't know, had a microscope and you put single cell, whatever, an amoeba, bacteria, you know, if it, and you shine a light, and if it's the kind that wants the light, it'll kind of squiggle over, or if it doesn't, I don't know if it really works this way, but if it doesn't want light, it'll get, you know, living beings do this. They move towards the pleasant and move away. So we're not doing anything wrong, but we, uh, the Dharma is asking us to bring a place of awareness to that process so we don't live just blindly, completely at the effect of circumstances so we can start to, in a way, transcend uh, conditioned patterns is one way to think about it. So we have some freedom and choice, right? So you could say the Dharma is asking us to, I don't think you're going to stop, you know, in a wholesome way, listening to what you need in life and taking care of yourself. And that's what we should all be doing. But we can start to make a shift so that we're not only at the effect of being led around like slaves by our desires, but rather than our well-being only coming from having certain experiences and not having others, um, it can start to come more towards how am I relating to whatever's happening? It's not just the experience, but what's my relationship with the experience? And start to find a way of resting more at peace with that. Yeah. And so as we st- start to develop anything, we're going to start with where we're at and what we've got. And so the good news is, uh, even start to make that simple shift, which sounds conceptually easy, like, oh yeah, that's a good idea. Not being just slaves to my... Uh, this word craving, or sometimes we'll say desire, that leads to clinging, which leads to suffering. It's like, yeah, you know, I'm going to start to make a shift. And that's fine in a given moment until the right causes and conditions come back together and we're just hooked in again. So we don't have to be good at making these shifts because we've tended to spend a lifetime living in the way, that's the sort of the stream of life and the Dharma sometimes talked about going against the stream. So we're starting to make a big shift 
if you've got one of those big um, oil super tankers, you know, that's as long as, I don't know, a few football fields and they're loaded up with the oil. I mean, those things are heavy. If they're heading north and they want to start to, uh, I don't know, turn to go east, you know, it takes planning. It takes a lot goes into starting to make that shift. It doesn't happen like that because there's a lot of momentum heading in a certain way. Yeah. But eventually, you know, it lumbers around. And next thing you know, uh, over time, the momentum's going in a new direction. So similarly with our lives, you know, if we've spent a lifetime or, you know, if you believe the traditional Buddhist cosmology of lifetimes, uh, either way, there's a lot of momentum, if you will, or you could say deeply conditioned patterns that head in a certain way. So when we start to shift them, we need patience. We need perseverance for sure, but we need patience, kindness, self-compassion, knowing that what's important is our intention. And it's like the piano. Even if we're not so good or we judge ourselves about how we're showing up in a moment, staying in touch with not judging ourselves by how well or poorly we're showing up in a moment, but what's our intention? Next time you're judging yourself, back up a step. What's my intention behind that? What's my deeper intentions? See if that can help gladden your heart and mind to say, well, you know, I really do. I want to be less reactive. I want to be more kind. Maybe I'm not now, but that's a real, that speaks of much more deeply, your intention is, is, speaks what's, to what's much more deeply true about you than how you're showing up in any moment, which is just your conditioned patterns. So to really be patient with ourselves around Compassion. Okay, intention, skillful practices, uh, um, self-compassion, and then I'd like to add one more. Then to ask ourselves in a moment, what is it that I know is true? Of course, I've just talked about intention, but what do I know isn't true in relationship with a situation or a person? And I want to just offer one thing that you may already be in touch with, or if not, just to invite you over time or whenever you wish to reflect on it. To first see, is it true for yourself? Just check in as I'm saying, as I'm asking you, that you want to live in a way that creates less suffering for yourself and others. So you can just see, is that true? guessing if you wouldn't be at a place like that if that wasn't true. We want to be more conscious of that. Oh yeah, I do want to live in a way that creates less suffering for myself and others. Do I want to create more well-being for myself and others? Yeah, that's true too. If that's true, I'll offer two, two things then. One is when difficulties come up in us, because we know we want to head more in that direction. If there are places in us that, uh, where the, the pattern does not naturally lit, move us in that way, I would rather see those, that potential for ill will or for unwholesome action than not see it. 
So it can start to shift our attitude. So the next time that person who really bugs you does that same thing, if you keep this attitude, they're actually uh, doing you a favor. If we want to see our conditioned patterns, well, how can you see your conditioning? You, you, where is it? You can't, you can't get to it directly. You can only get to your conditioning indirectly when a certain pattern gets lit up by some action. We get to see there's some stimulus and there's the response and then it lights up that pattern. Ah, now I can see it. I wasn't aware. Oh, I didn't realize that there's this place of whatever, fear, anger, resentment. And some of these can be subtle, of course not so subtle. If we can remember to start to see it more as uh, actually uh, a gift, it doesn't mean that we don't do whatever we normally would need to do to handle the situation. We don't have to become passive you know, blobs. I'm not speaking here about what the action will be, but the attitude of mind. But that can start to shift things a lot and actually, you know, yes, take care of our business, but also look back and to see what, what can I help to do to help loosen the, untangle the knots of these patterns. So that's one piece of, of, of how we can shift our attitude and relationship to any moment. When difficulty comes up with another person, rather than becoming reactive to what the person's doing, try and experiment sometimes. The experiment is, ask yourself, what might be going on in, in that person to make them act that way? Get interested, get curious. Not always so easy to do in the heat of battle, so we may need to step back, if we, again, if we have the luxury, separate ourselves out. But if we can remember, if we can, you know, for any situation, I think there's two basic strategies. We either need to have the clarity, or I'll, I'll, let me say it this way, the equanimity to, to, to really be present with this. Or we need to break, be able to bring the intensity down to a level where we can. And we have to know the difference between the two. Because if what's happening is too much for you, it's not like, well, you should be present. There's no should here. It's too much. And we need to, to be able to recognize that. So there's these two strategies. So we may need to bring the intensity down if we have the luxury in order to put some of these little uh, experiments I'm offering into practice. And then one more, we can ask ourselves, do I, again, do I care about my suffering? Do I care about the suffering of others? And if so, then that also brings in a shift of, well, I want to know what's going on for that person or situation then. And depending on the situation, you know, some people, if they're strangers, what level of in, you know, engagement, you know, you have to see what's appropriate in a moment, but as far as your inner attitude. And that can start to open us up to the suffering of others that maybe we hadn't seen. Because we're all, I was actually going to open this morning with this and say, uh, uh, welcome my fellow sufferers. I thought it was a little too 
it'd just be too weird to do that. But now, uh, I would like to say that I hope we're all fellow experiencers of happiness, of joy, of a mind that's free and liberated, and and it's going to. We have all hopefully at least had moments of that, and how much of that we have in our lives depends on circumstances. But we're also all experiences of suffering. We know what it is. Yeah. So we have that all in common. Uh, if we can stay in touch with that, uh, it can be just another little, um, I found it just another little aid to help, help us get out of our uh, judgment reactivity and really um, find the way to, to be uh, uh, most kind and, and present in any situation. So um, we have a few minutes. First of all, thank you for your kind attention. I appreciate that. And we have a few moments. Um, I, I think we do have time to do a, a little two or three minute uh, reflection at the end. So we have maybe five minutes. If anybody else has anything, you just open it up. It could be a question, but also anything to share or comment. I mean, I can, I can for sure keep talking too. I'm a, but, yes. Well, let me make sure I'm clear. Did, could everyone hear? So I'm not completely, let me just say back because I'm not sure. You're saying that, that in the moment it may feel like the right thing to do. Oh, right. But that's the, that, well, so, but that's the, uh, uh, we need to bring in a lot of wisdom then. And we talk about wisdom, which is a huge topic. It's the clarity of mind and the wisdom to know that, you know, what may uh, feel right in a moment may actually, you're just pointing to the whole human condition right there, right? Because uh, we, we could say what, you didn't get specific, but so this may not be what you're talking about. But for example, you know, we follow what seems the path of pleasure in a moment. And we don't see that. So I think you're just talking to, that's, that's part of being a human being. That's a lot of what Dharma's talking about, is to have the uh, space, if you will, of the presence. So we're not instantly or, or you know, just pulled by what's, what's uh, on the surface uh, appearance. It wants to be the way to go. And we want to be able to feel more deeply. And I think that just comes with experience. You know, over time, again, we can't see our blind spots by definition, right? But over time, we come to know. So I'm, I'll just put it out. I don't want to put you on the spot, but for any of us, just, just to reflect. Are there places in your life, if you look back to maybe when you were I don't know, young, if, I don't know if there's any teenagers in here now, but say when you were a teenager, in some area in your life where you used to suffer a lot. And then now, is there just any place in life that as you've, over the years, with just the wisdom of, of, of getting older or through Dharma practice or whatever, that you could say, you know what, I don't suffer around that one place as much as I used to. If you can find any, you might, if you don't, don't, that's fine, but... 
that would be an example of without you doing anything, your natural uh, being, if you will, or your natural way that you are, acts in a way that just creates around that one thing that's just not creating so much suffering like it used to. Yeah. You didn't have to do anything. You just learned anew over time. So I think a lot of this comes with experience. And we may, you know, if we can um, keep the experimental attitude in life, if we're informed by Dharma, then if we can bring an experimental attitude, we don't actually need to be afraid of anything that might happen because we bring the most clarity that we have. You cannot have more than you have, so we don't worry about it. You do your best. You're in touch with your intention the best you can. And then we just respond or act in a situation. And then we get to see what happens. Hopefully there's not too much breakage along the way. But we have to be willing to take that we may act in a way that creates suffering and then accept the consequences of that to clean up our mess or whatever. So we do our best. But then as long as we keep learning we naturally, then we know again, oh yeah, don't do that again. And so, so I think the place of wisdom just can flourish. Anyway, okay? All right. So, um, so I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut it, if anybody has anything else to share, to cut it too short, but we only have three minutes left. And um, because uh, I talked too long in answering what you said, uh, what I'd like to do is is lead us in a... It literally takes about two or three minutes, and then we'll end on time. If you wish to participate, uh, it's a little reflection, and what I'm going to offer is four reflections. Each one I'll say in two or three different ways. Sometimes different words land differently. And then we'll have 20 or 30 seconds for you just to sit with that reflection and see what comes up, if anything. Uh these are big questions, so you may need to really, I, th- I think they're worthy of a lifetime of inquiry and exploration. So sorry for it being so short. Take as much time as you wish uh, later to go deeper. Okay, for the first reflection. What are your you could say, highest or deepest intentions for your life. Or you could say, what are your, the highest aspirations for how you want to live or be in your life? Or you could say, what do you really want your life to be about in the deepest or highest sense? That was the first reflection. That's a big question for only 20 seconds. But, uh, and if you forget these, come see me anytime and I can give them to you later to write down. Okay, the second reflection. When you look at how 
you're, you're actually living or how your life actually live. In what ways or to what extent is there some disconnect or gap between the actuality of your life and your highest or deepest aspirations? What are the ways or the times when you're not living in alignment with your highest intentions or aspirations? I was thinking more inner qualities, but it could be in whatever you want. It could be what it looks like, outer manifestations, inner. was the second um, second reflection third reflection um, so to whatever extent in whatever ways there's a gap between your highest intentions and aspirations and the reality of your life why is there a gap what causes it what are the things patterns, situations, forces that tend to pull you in a way so you're not actually living in alignment with your highest or deepest intentions. In the last reflection. What would support you in your life to close up the gap? To live more of the time, more authentically, out of or in alignment with. So it's not a duality here, really from the place, really being your highest intention or aspiration. What are some things that could support you? So I hope that was a a useful reflection. Um, We went three minutes over. I want to acknowledge that. Um, And uh, just to thank you for your... uh, Plus, just to be able to hang out whenever I get together with sincere Dharma practitioners is just so uh, inspiring and supporting for me. So uh, thank you. And now I'm going to move out of this teacher role. And um, uh, this is the only talk I'm giving on the retreat. And I'll get to hang out with you all and your family. So thank you all. Thank you so, so much, Richard. That was really helpful, beautiful talk. So we have a few moments for announcements. Um, 
uh, the, um, our sisters will be going down to the dining hall for their noon meal. They'll be being served by Karuna. Karuna Parent. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.